Well, today wasn't wasn't a good day. You know, we didn't we didn't get much going early at all. You know, I don't know. I don't feel man on third base today. Maybe maybe once. So not good enough today. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. I forgot to update my intro. That intro is aged. It's not useful anymore. Normally, I try to make an intro that'll last for a week. You know, like a funny moment from the show, a quote from a player or a manager or something. I don't know. I like to have it for about a week. It's a lot of work to update it every night. It's actually not that much work. I'm just lazy and I don't want to do it. Uh, I forgot because I got so used to last week using the same uh, Neil Diamond intro every day. Sorry, I forgot to update that. It was a good day for the Brewers last night. Not a bad day, as Craig Council said in that intro. And they scored early. They got something going early. Unlike what Craig Council said, I believe that was about Monday's game. That really boring game against the Orioles. Now, they won last night, so a lot better. They scored early. They had two runs in the first inning. Got contributions from everyone. That intro has aged a little bit. I'm sorry. That was the one thing I... uh, I forgot to do today. I was so busy prepping for the rest of the show. We're going to talk about the NBA playoffs. We're going to talk about the Packers. And we're going to talk about last night's Brewer game as well. That's where we're going to start. Uh, I was so busy creating and crafting and writing amazing content that I forgot to update the intro. I'm sorry about that. I truly am. My name is Grant Bills. This is the Wisco Sports Show. I hope you're having an excellent day. Brewers pregame is going to get started in an hour and a half. So the show's only going to go till 5.30 tonight. Now, I'm not on the air tomorrow because the Brewers play at 4.14. And I'm taking Friday off. Sorry, I got some vacation days. I'm going to I'm gonna do myself a favor, take a four-day weekend uh, and go visit my parents for a couple days. So this is the last hour and a half of the week for the Wisco Sports Show. My goodness. This is basically my Friday afternoon. So anything you have to say about the Brewers or the Bucks, or the NBA playoffs or the play-in games last night or the Packers, today is the day. I'd love to connect with you all because we won't have a chance until next Monday. So give me a text or a call, 608-796-2558. You can tweet at me as well, at Wisco Grant. I had a day on Twitter today. I got in a fight with Ebo. It's just, it didn't need to happen. I don't know why I took the bait. I tweeted back at Ebo and then it devolved into a shouting match and I just, I, I don't know why I did that. I tweeted out seven hours ago now. I tweeted this at 8.07 a.m. this morning. I was on my way to the YMCA. I tweeted, good morning, 4.30 p.m., six words, special edition playoff preview NBA lounge. We're going to do that in a half hour. I have at least one thing to say on all of the playoff series. We have four series in the East, four series in the West. I have at least one thing to say. Now, for example, uh, give you a little teaser here. The Miami Heat are going to play either the Cavs, uh, who else is in the play The Hornets or the Hawks? I don't have much to say about that series. That'll take all of 10 seconds. But some of the other series, I have a little bit more to say. So we're not going to dwell on the series that are boring, but I do have at least one thing to say about all of the playoff series, including, of course, the Bucks and the Bulls. So we're going to do that, a special edition playoff preview NBA lounge. That's going to get underway at 4.30. I want to start with the Brewers game last night. I almost wish that we could fast forward a month in, ba- in baseball time. In baseball time, not in real world time. I love April. It's one of my favorite months of the year. Elite month, right? Everything starts to get greener, which is just the best feeling. We have the NFL draft. 
the days are getting longer. Baseball is getting underway. If you're a fisherman, a fly fisherman, I always go fish the steelhead run up by Lake Superior. Great feature of the month of April. Future announced today that he's dropping an album in a couple of weeks. So we have that to look forward to as well. April Fool's Day to start the month. Easter sometimes to wrap up the month. 420s mixed in there for those who celebrate as well. It's a great month, right? But for baseball purposes, I wish we could jump ahead. Because the first week or two or three of the season is tough. We're so glad to have baseball back. And we're so excited to talk about baseball and to tweet about baseball that we treat every game like it's life and death. And that's really tough. And as we get later on into the summer, we get really good at filtering in and out what matters and what doesn't. Right? I'm not coming on the air in July and yelling because Craig Council made this move and it cost them one game and this team might suck. Well, no. By July, we have a pretty good handle on things. But for the first week, right, we go a little nuts. We question everything. Is this team actually good? Is Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff, are they actually good pitchers? Is Yelich good? Is Yelich bad? Is Andrew McCutcheon any good? What about Hunter Renfro? Can he actually hit the ball? 90 wins, you know, for this team. I, I don't know. They look more like a 60 team, right? We start questioning everything. And as the summer goes along, we get a little bit better at, again, filtering what matters and what doesn't. But for the first month, we're, you know, we're a little nuts with it. Two things I want to talk about from last night's game. One, a big picture takeaway from the game itself. And then two, something a little bit more specific. Something I noticed this weekend. I first noticed it on Sunday. And then I noticed it again last night, big time. So let's start with the big picture. Just talking about this this game uh, in a general sense. This game wasn't a must win. It's April 13th. None of these games are must wins. Not a must win by any means. But the vibes feel better for the Brewers today, don't they? They beat the Orioles last night. I'm sure you watched. And if you didn't, you have checked today at some point how the game went. The Brewers got out to an early lead. Then Eric Lauer made a little mess in the second inning had a couple of bad at-bats, gave up a grand slam, and then the Brewers were able to get one run later in the game. Williams and Hayter were able to slam the door, and, and they won. They won 5-4 to four last night. It was a long game, fun game. Don't the vibes feel a lot better today? There's a big vibes swing by a win or a loss last night. It's not ideal to lose that game. If you start the season against the Cubs and the Orioles, neither team very good, and you start 1-5, and five, ugh. Not good for the vibes. That's a little bit of a hole you got to dig out of. Record-wise and vibes-wise. Two and three is much better. That win last night felt a little bit like the team getting on solid footing. And we were reminded of a couple of things last night, right? Josh Hader is really good. Duh. Devin Williams is really good, of course. Christian Yelich hit the ball. Andrew McCutcheon hit the ball. Willie Adamas hit the ball. It's like, okay, this is making sense. This is lining up the way we think it should line up. This is looking how it's supposed to look. Last night, it felt like we were getting our footing a little bit, even though the baseball season is very young. The vibes, much better. Plus, it was a fun game. I was locked in, and I was focused on a couple of these innings. Top of the fifth, Yelich hits a double with one out, and then we have a couple of opportunities to break the tie, get a run home. McCutcheon's got a big at bat. He's got a chance. He can't do it. Rowdy Telez comes up. He's got a chance. He can't do it. Then again, in the top of the seventh, right, Adamas has a double. And we're sitting there, we're waiting. Andrew McCutcheon comes up with two outs, gets a big single to break the tie and bring Adamas home. Those are moments where you lean in closer to the TV. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, oh man, here's a good opportunity. Let's lean in, let's turn the TV up. Let's focus a little bit. Because over the course of a baseball game, there's a lot of downtime. 
It's not nonstop actions. Maybe you uh, you go to the kitchen, get some chips, go to the bathroom, go fill up the water bottle. Maybe you're doing laundry. You go in the other room, right? There were moments in last night's game that made me turn the TV up, lean forward, focus in a little bit. And it's certainly a big difference from Monday afternoon's game, Tuesday, what's today, Wednesday? Yeah, we're talking about Monday afternoon. God, that game sucked. It was brutal. Last night, much better. Engaging. It felt fun. The vibes are better. And as Craig Council said after the game, they needed contributions from everyone on the team. We needed a lot of guys to to contribute there um, on, the, on the pitching end. I think a lot of guys made some big pitches. Um, you know, we got some big hits around the lineup. Uh, obviously, McCutcheon had drove in some runs. I thought... Willie had a great game. Yelly's Yelly's really swinging the bat well, which is which is a huge thing for us. So um, it was a good win, man. It was hard fought, tough game, entertaining game for sure. Entertaining, hard fought, back and forth. Got contributions from all over the place. I think even more important than the win. Again, the Brewers would be one and four. That's not a great start. Two and three isn't an amazing start either. It's one win and one loss. I think even more important than the win itself, the vibes, right? Especially with some new players. We got Victor Caratini joining the team and McCutcheon and Hunter Renfro, who Hunter Renfro is notoriously slow. But you see and see even some of these outs that he's making, he can hit the ball a ton. A dude can lay into it. So you're integrating these new players, these new personalities. It's like uh, when you're cooking a dish. Have you ever watched Chopped? Right, something that the judges always want to see. They, they want all the flavors to meld together. They all want to make it one cohesive dish. It makes sense, right? Well, the brewers have all these new ingredients they're introducing into the mix. Let's let's try to mind meld a little bit. Let's, let's mix up the personalities. Let's all get to know each other a little bit. I think a win like last night, very early in the season, a lot of different players had big moments. A lot of players were necessary, as Craig Council said. I think that goes a long way to building early season chemistry and helping the vibes and over a long season, well, there'll be ups and downs and wins and losses. Vibes matter. Vibes are important, especially with a bunch of new players early on in the season. Last night, I think, goes a long way for the vibes. Uh, so that was my big picture takeaway. There's not a big picture takeaway from every game. But last night, I was like, all right, that's 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 a solid win. That was fun. That was entertaining. And I, I think it, it did wonders for a Brewers team that's kind of scuffling right now. They can't get off the runway. Another thing I want to talk about, and this is something a little bit more specific, I actually wrote this down in my notes on Sunday. I was watching Brent Suter, who came in in relief, and then later on in the game, Devin Williams and Josh Hader came in and and pitched the last two frames. Brent Suter pitched an inning and two-thirds. He gave up a run, but he didn't pitch bad. He has a 1-2-3 inning in the fifth. I guess it included a double play, so is that a 1-2-3 inning? He allowed a base runner, but you know what I mean. He faced the minimum. Let's put it that way. Face the minimum in the fifth inning. Then in the sixth, comes out, gets a strikeout, a ground out. Now a walk with two outs. And then there was a ground ball. Fielder's choice. Should have ended the inning, but it didn't. Willie Adamas booted the ball, right? Or was it Was it Colton Wong? It was one of the middle infielders. So Brent Suter goes one, two, three in the fifth. Then strikeout, ground out, walk, error in the sixth. The inning should be over, and it's not. So they take out Brent Suter and they bring in Jake Cousins. Okay, now he comes in. Two wild pitches. Catcher interference in the mix as well. Run scores. Great. Bunch of BS. Actually, I think that catcher interference was last night. I'm thinking of the other inning where they walked a bunch of guys and got themselves into trouble. Cousins comes in. Two wild pitches. Run scores. 
bunch of BS, right? Brent Suter really didn't do anything to surrender a run. It was an error. It was some BS. Jay Cousins comes in, doesn't give up a hit, right? Doesn't allow the opposing offense to do any damage. He just can't find the strike zone, and he wild pitches two runs to home plate. Bunch of BS, okay? Then on Sunday as well, a couple of innings later, Williams comes in, strikes out two of three. Hater then pitches the ninth, does the same, just laying waste to hitters, right? Now, I don't need to explain to you that Williams and Hater are way better than Brent Suter and Jake Cousins. You know that, but it's the way in which they're better that was so evident on Sunday, and it was evident again last night in a slightly different way. Last night, Devin Williams comes in and loads the bases. You're thinking, oh, God, they're going to blow this. Had this one in the bag. They need this win. They need it for the vibes, right? They need this for the energy, for the early season morale, for the entertainment value, for the fans to stay engaged in early April. They need this one, and they're going to let it slip. And then Devin Williams mops up his own mess, the classic John Horst. Create a big mess, and then get yourself out of it. He got dialed in after that mound pitch, and he went, took took all three guys out. Didn't matter that there were guys on base. Didn't matter that he had struggled for a few at-bats. Didn't matter. Then Hayter comes in, puts two guys on. Doesn't matter. Lays waste to a couple of guys. Gets out of the mess. Right? Something that separates Williams and Hayter. Separates them from Brent Suter. Separates them from Jake Cousins. They're almost 100% impervious to outside conditions. To noise. Right? We all know that Williams and Hayter, they they got better stuff than Brent Suter, better stuff than Jake Cousins. But a result or uh, an effect of having stuff that great is you can get away with a couple of walks. You can get away with an unlucky bounce. You can get away with making a a bad pitch or, I guess, a hitter making a really good swing. Right? That double that Hayter gave up, that was a good pitch. It was just a really good swing, really good play on the ball. And it didn't end up mattering for Hayter. Unlucky bounce, an error by an infielder, a walk, a catcher's interference. It doesn't matter. Williams' stuff is so good that it allows him to cut through all that crap, even crap that's self-inflicted. Same with Josh Hader. And that's what Craig Council talked about after the game last night. Well, that's what makes them so great is that they can, you know, be a little bit, you know, in Devin's case, I thought he was a little out of sorts to start the inning. And then uh, I thought Chris Hook, you know, the mound visit was was really important there. Um, And Devin got on track and and was lights out. You know, Josh, look, Cedric Mullins had a great pitch. Um, You know, there's Josh made a great pitch. Cedric hit it tip your cap to that. Um, and then, then I thought Josh, you know, was was really good the rest of the inning. Being basically impervious to outside conditions as an athlete is so valuable. Not just in baseball, but in football, right? Having the best quarterback means you don't need to have the best defense. You can get by with wide receivers that aren't elite. You can You can squeak by with an imperfect offensive line, right? In basketball, LeBron James, look at the teams he took to the finals in Cleveland. There was a year where his best teammates were Kyle Korver, Tristan Thompson, right? Della Vadova the first time around. LeBron James is so good that outside conditions, to a degree, just don't matter to him. And when you have two relievers in your bullpen that can cut through the crap, walks don't matter. Giving up a hit here and there doesn't matter. If you don't get a ball or strike call, it doesn't matter. If your infielder boots a ball, it doesn't matter. When you have two relievers that are almost 100% impervious to outside conditions, your margin for error is just so wide. And you're going to pick up extra wins throughout the course of the season that other teams just aren't. Right? 
think in 2018, the Brewers were so good. They had three or four relievers that were nuts. Corey Knable, they would bring him in to clean up the mess for the starter. Jeremy Jeffers was so good for stretches, it didn't matter. Josh Hader was elite for stretches. Really has been since. Didn't matter. Corbin Burns was that great as well. It's so valuable to have just one reliever, let alone two, that are basically unfazed and unaffected by outside conditions. That's why the Brewers back into the bullpen. If you can just get to the seventh, get to the eighth, they win so many games. That's a big reason why. Let's take a break. I want to talk about the play-in games last night. And if you have any texts, if you have any thoughts about the Brewers, we can continue that discussion as well. 608-796-2558. Wisco Sports Show back in three minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. an awesome day. Thanks for hanging out. Find me on Twitter at Wisco Grant. Text and call the show if you would like to do so. 608-796-2558. Going to do Packers in the second half of the show. We're going to have a special how did I word this on Twitter? i make sure I get it right. Special edition playoff preview NBA lounge. That's coming up in 10 minutes. I have at least one thing to say about every potential playoff series. So we're going to do that in a few minutes. All right. Southside Scott, a couple of texts, says people need to remember baseball's marathon, not a sprint. One and three start is fine. A good start is important, but a strong finish is even more important. Scott, and I don't know if you've ever heard this. Uh, this isn't a cliche at all. You uh, <laughs> you can't you can't win the division in April, but you can sure lose it. You ever heard ever heard that one? As long as we're passing along sage wisdom. Wisco Chad says Williams caved outside noise last year. Wall won Williams nothing. Well, yeah. 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 He punched the wall and broke his hand. He'll learn from it. Just the way Carl Anthony Towns is going to learn from last night, apparently. Year eight. Year eight is is normally when players finally figure it out. So I'm sure, yeah, Carl Anthony Towns will get there. Schmidt on the north side. I'm hoping you talk some sense into Beverly's impact with the Wolves. People were over the top with it last night. Let's talk about last night. What a treat. When I left the studio last night, I had today's show mostly planned out. Going to talk about the Brewers, NBA playoff preview, Packers. I couldn't have conceived a scenario in which the Timberwolves and the Clippers would give us some huge story to talk about. And they did. The Wolves win in a really fun game. And then they celebrate to such a degree where people are like, uh, maybe maybe you should take it easy a little bit. It's, it's the playing game. This is the TNT response after the game. Well, that is one festive joint up there right now. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. You know what I miss? I, I miss mean, after tell the celebration them play. We are the champions. We need one shot in the moment. Damn. Yo, if their coach takes off his shirt in the locker room, they throw water on him. Hey, man, I want to. They do a little too much. Right, Kyle. We are the champions. Yo, you got guys crying. Hey, hey, I want to thank you guys for another great year. We just did a barrel brown. That was the quickest playoffs we've ever had. They were kissing babies. So, if you don't follow the NBA at all, what happened last night? It was the first night of the plans. So, seeds seven, let's see, seven, eight, nine, and ten. 
have a little play-in tournament to get in. So if you're in those bottom four spots, you need to play in the play-in to earn the seven and the eight seed. So four teams compete for two spots. The Wolves locked down the seven seed last night and, and qualified for the playoffs. That's what happened. They qualified for the playoffs and the right to play the two-seeded Grizzlies in a seven-game series. They celebrated like they won the world championship, the title, which is <laughs> go off. I just love the response from TNT when Chuck is like, I just want to thank you guys for another great year. <laughs> Ernie chimes in. That's the quickest playoffs we've ever had because Pat Beverly was jumping up on the scorer's table. Anthony Edwards, too. I mean, they were going they were going sicko, stupid, dumbo mode. They were everywhere. And they quali- they qualified for the playoffs. But look, it's the Wolves. The Wolves have so little to celebrate over the years. And I don't say that as a slight. The Bucks have had their fair share of dry spells, too. And I don't think it's up to you or me to judge someone's celebration or their excitement. I don't think it's up to us. I mean, I'm going to do it. Uh, but I, I don't think it's up to us, but I'm, I'm going to do it anyways. Uh, the, the players who are allowed to celebrate after last night, Anthony Edwards, D'Angelo Russell, Ant is lifting up the team. He's shaped the toughness and the culture of this team in just two years. Deloading hit some huge shots down the stretch. I used to love D'Angelo Russell when he's on the nets. He's making it hard on the Wolves, but I, I'll get into him. Someone who can't celebrate and and can't go nuts last night is Pat Beverly. This might be an unpopular opinion, but I think if Pat, Pat Beverly doesn't play last night, the Wolves win by 10 or more. He got this team so upside down in the first half by picking up three fouls and four complaining and then leading Cat and everyone else to complain. I truly believe he derailed this team in the first half. I think if Pat Beverly sits out last night and doesn't play, the Wolves win by 10 or more points. Pat Beverly, I'm with you, Schmidt, on the north side. I, everyone's like, well, you can't underestimate the impact he had. Well, I mean, I can look at the numbers, and I can look at the on-off stuff and the scoring and what he actually provides. I I, and I, I, do think we can I think we can under or overestimate his impact because I don't think his impact is actually as great as, as some people think. People who are allowed to celebrate... Wolves fans. I got a text from my friend Brett, who's a Wolves fan last night. And he's like, I, this might be kind of messed up, but I feel like we just won the title, <laughs> which is awesome. Wolves fans should be jacked. You know who can't judge the Wolves and the Wolves fans for being excited? LeBron and Kyle Kuzma, who were tweeting about it last night, making fun of the Wolves, how they were celebrating. Look, LeBron has always bothered me. But I respect how good he is enough to just kind of leave it alone. I'm not a LeBron hater. I'd say I'm closer to LeBron hater than a LeBron lover. I could never be that guy. No. Um, but I'm, I'm, I think I'm, I'm past it. This dude is getting on my nerves. This man has the self-awareness of a tree stump. Okay? He tweeted on April Fool's Day, Hey, guys, I'm done for the rest of the year. See you in the fall. When his team was on the brink of elimination, he played that night. His team lost. And then he actually didn't play again in another game this season. Self-awareness, LeBron. Maybe don't make fun of the team that just made the playoffs when you couldn't even get into the plane. Self-awareness is very important, right? It helps you minimize your weaknesses, maximize your strengths. If you are someone who's not funny, you just don't have a good sense of humor, joke-telling not your strength, well, self-awareness helps you keep that bad joke inside. Just, just, just don't be the joke guy then. Self-awareness is big. And if you are funny, self-awareness 
can help you know when to use your jokes, when to keep them inside, what joke, when to use where. Self-awareness is one of the most important traits in the world. LeBron has zero. I saw him tweeting about this last night, making fun of the Wolves. It's like, dude, go away. Don't you have a coach to get fired? Don't you have teammates to trade? You have things to do. Go make another terrible Space Jam movie, please. Go away. I loved all the tweets last night and the comments about how this is Anthony Edwards' team now. Um, Not to be this guy. <laughs> not to be a jerk. But when has this ever been Carl Anthony Towns' team? Ever. When has this ever been his team? He came into the league. His first year was 2015-2016. The Wolves win totals since that season starting in 2015-2016. 29 wins, 31 wins, 47 wins, 36 wins. Oh, year five. Here we go. They're about to blow up. No, 19 wins, 23 wins, 46. And then this year they made the play-in. Oh, it's Ant's team now. When when was this ever Cat's team? If it's Ben Cat's team, then I guess I understand why this team has sucked. At one point in the first half, Carl Anthony Towns was 0 for 7 with four fouls. Charles Barkley put him under the court at halftime. Barkley was so fired up ripping Carl Anthony Towns, he could barely get words out correctly. And Chuck's really not that eloquent in the first place, so that's really saying something. Carl Anthony Towns. Anthony Edwards was nuts. It was so fun to watch him kind of realize his superpowers in real time last night. In the fourth quarter, he kind of realized, oh, nobody can stop me. I'm bigger, faster, stronger. I'm more athletic. If I want to get to the rim, I'm going to get to the rim or I'm going to get to the free throw line. And in crunch time, he just told dudes to get out of his way. Don't bring me a screen. Get out of the way. I'm getting to the rack. And that's how they closed this game out. It was really fun to watch. It's fun to watch a player self-realize and actualize how good they are and go out and take it. That's the exact opposite of everything Carl Anthony Towns has ever been. Uh, Anthony Edwards in two seasons has figured it out. Although, oh, to be fair to Cat, he'll learn from last night. Uh, year eight. Year eight will be the year where he pops as a player and, and really starts to get tough. Yeah, year year eight. That, that'll be the year. Let's take a break. Special edition NBA playoff preview NBA lounge. We're going to have one thing to say about every single series. We're going to do that next. I can't wait. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Thanks for hanging out. Going to do Packers in the second half of the show. Remember, we're done at 5.30 tonight. So we get to pack in the A-plus content into a small time window. Otherwise, we'd hear from Rich Basaccia, the new Packers special teams coach. Um, not that that's not great content. That's great content. Excellent content. Uh, we just we don't have time for that tonight. Got to trim the fat. So we're going to step into the NBA lounge. Preview. Look ahead. Break down. At least one thing from every playoff series. Now, we don't know the opponents for the one seeds, but I don't really think it matters. Let's do this. Last night was the first night of the 2022 MetaQuest play-in tournament. It's its proper God-given name. We had the Wolves winning, so the Wolves will go on to play the two-seeded Grizzlies. The Nets won. They will go on to play the second-seeded Celtics. And now we're just waiting to see whether it's the Clippers, the Pels, or the Spurs in the West and the Cavs, Hawks, or Hornets in the East. Let's start in the West, and then we'll move our way to the East, and we'll wrap up with the Bucks. 
So we'll start in the, the Orient, the Afar, the other conference. Let's start at the top. Suns, the one seed will go up against the Clippers, the Pels, or the Spurs. I would imagine the Clippers advance. I don't really know if it matters. Let's not waste time on this one. The Suns are going to win in four, maybe five if something weird happens. The Suns are amazing. They're incredible. They were last year as well. But this year, they have some depth that they didn't have last year. They have a backup big in JaVale McGee. And I know we want to make fun of JaVale McGee, but their backup big last year was Dario Saric, and he got hurt. So they have a backup in JaVale McGee. Cam Thomas is even better now this year, so they have extra depth there. Maybe Chris Paul can back off the minutes a little bit, stay healthier, avoid injury. The Suns are legit. We don't need to talk about any chinks in their armor, at least for another round, probably not for another two or three rounds. The second-seeded Grizzlies, the seventh-seeded Wolves. I love that we're going to get Pat Beverly and Dylan Brooks in the same series. They're going to be uber annoying. It's going to be messy. There's going to be professional wrestling element to this. It's going to be really fun. I feel bad for Carl Anthony Towns because he couldn't handle Nick Batum. I don't know how he's supposed to deal with Steven Adams. We'll see. Crowds are going to be unreal, both at the Target Center and wherever the Grizzlies play. I'm ashamed to not know. Is it the FedEx Arena? It's FedEx. It's in Memphis. That's where FedEx's hub is. I'm pretty sure it's something with FedEx. Wolves fans, I have a matchup nugget that's going to make you feel good. This is a deep cut. Ready for this? The Wolves blitz or show on the pick and roll at least 15 times a game. Right? That's second in the NBA, only behind Portland. They're not switching. They're not dropping with Carl Anthony Towns for obvious reasons. So they blitz or show. They're very aggressive on the pick and roll. They're almost the most aggressive team in the NBA. They're second behind Portland. John Morant, point guard for the Grizzlies, only scored .86 points per chance when blitz or showed per second spectrum data. That's 17th of 18 players who were blitz or showed at least 200 times. What does that mean? Boil down. The Wolves love to be really aggressive defending the pick and roll, and John Morant, the superstar for the Grizzlies, has not been great when faced with high aggression off the pick and roll. So there's maybe maybe a positive. As the underdog is the seventh seed, there's something to hold on to. Wow, Grant, digging into second, second spectrum. I know, it's playoff season. I'm, I'm going to start to dig deep. Warriors Nuggets, the three and the six. I think both of these teams have a claim that this is a must-win series. I think the Warriors can make the case that this is a must-win. And same with the Nuggets, even though they're the sixth seed going up against the three. Let's start with the Warriors. They had this brilliant start. We saw what they were capable of when Steph and Draymond were healthy. Not even with Clay. Now Clay is back. We saw how good they can be. Can they get back to that? I don't know, but we know they have it in them, right? Also, Steph and Draymond and Clay aren't getting any younger. They can't throw away opportunities to contend. Really, the West is wide open other than Phoenix. This season, Steph, Clay, and Draymond have played 11 minutes together. So if they can just get any semblance of connectivity and lineup continuation, you can argue that the Warriors need to win this series and need to advance further in the playoffs, even as a three seed. Now, the Nuggets are without their top two guys other than Jokic, so no Jamal Murray, no Michael Porter Jr. But Jokic just won an MVP. I contend that losing in the first option, even as an underdog, really isn't an option for Jokic. I think this is a must-win series for him. He is about to enter a group, a very prestigious group of two-time MVPs. 
And I don't like the idea of a two-time MVP, Jokic, capping off his back-to-back MVP campaign with another first-round exit. Nick Wright talked about this earlier this week on First Things First. I don't like all of Nick's takes. I think this is a good one. Nikola Jokic. Guys, it is not unfair when you are about to join a group of 12 men, 11 of which all went to multiple multiple finals all have finals mvp except for steph all of them were consistent title contenders except for the one other disastrous back-to-back mvp we've handed out steve nash you want to be with the 11 with the will russell kareem you know jordan bird magic duncan steph Giannis, lebron you want to be with that group not the nash group see this is why i think it's Kind of must winish for Jokic. He needs to win this series. Warriors are banged up. Jokic is about to win another MVP. There's a scenario in which the Nuggets get roundhoused by the Warriors in five or six games. And we look around and say, that's the guy we gave the MVP to? That guy? Six seed? They were gifted a Warriors team that's been limping for the last three months. And they couldn't even get past them? I don't know. And I'm not saying it's fair. The MVP is a regular season award. I'm not saying it's fair or right or just. Truly, it is right and just. Always and everywhere to give you thanks and praise, right? It's Holy Week. Sorry. Mass on the brain. Um, (laughs) I'm not saying it's fair. The MVP is a regular season award. But if Jokic and his team have a bad showing in the first round and they get bounced, we're going to look around and say, okay, well, we gave you two regular season MVP awards and you couldn't even win a series, man. Not going to be good. So I think the Warriors and the Nuggets both have claim to making this a must-win series. That's a really entertaining dynamic. The last series in the West before we move to the East. This is an interesting one. The fourth-seeded Mavs and the fifth-seeded Jazz. Now, Luka's calf injury changes everything. Shout-out Jason Kidd after a really good season. Just couldn't help himself and had to play Luka in a meaningless game 82. No, but when the Bucks rested guys in the last weekend of the season, then they were dodging... The Nets, Celtic, are there Celtics fans listening? Do I have this right? I just want to make sure I have it. Have it correct? Okay, good, good. Lucas' calf injury changes everything. The Mavs were 16 and 18 in December, and they've been 36 and 12 since. They're really good. Their defense has trailed off a bit, but I think they're a more well-rounded team. They got the Porzingis thing out of town. It just wasn't working. They got Dinwiddie in return. He makes everyone look good. Luka makes everyone look good. Dwight Powell, Dorian Finney-Smith, Jalen Brunson. He makes all these guys look good. He is the center of the universe, and all the other players orbit around him. And I think the Mavs will beat the Jazz if Luka's healthy. If he's not, I don't know. Utah is really interesting. They're the biggest, heaviest, most weighty domino in the NBA playoffs. And they're teetering big time already. The Jazz have blown a fourth-quarter double-digit lead six times this year, including one last Friday to the Phoenix Suns. There's just something afoot with the Jazz. And if the Jazz lose in the first or even the second round, and they will probably see the Suns in the second round should they advance, everything's on the table. Quinn Snyder is the coach, might be elsewhere. Donovan Mitchell might want out. Rudy Gobert might be traded. I, I think if... If they lose in the first or second round, the Jazz come to Donovan Mitchell and say, hey, we'll trade Gobert. We'll get out ahead of this. Before you have a chance to tell us you're upset, we're going to ship out Rudy, right? Rudy going to a contender somewhere else, somewhere else with some more offensive firepower. Now that's interesting. If Gobert can join a team that has lots of scoring, say like the Nets, I don't know how they'd make it work, but I'm just throwing out examples. 
Now Rudy Gobert isn't expected to punish teams on offense when they go small. Because that's what teams do. They go small against Rudy Gobert, and they force him to come out to the perimeter and try to play defense. But Rudy Gobert isn't much of an offensive player, so on the other end of the floor, that small ball lineup of the opposition isn't punished. If Gobert goes to a team with some offensive firepower, other than Joe Ingles and Jordan Clarkson, that could really shift a little power balance in, in whatever conference he ends up in, right? If he goes to a contender. That's on the table. Quinn Snyder going somewhere else. Really good coach. That's on the table. Donovan Mitchell, uh, star, low to your borderline superstar. That's on the table. Utah is the team with the most riding on this playoffs. They just play in Salt Lake City and a lot of us don't care about them. And as LeBron said, I think two years ago in the NBA All-Star Draft, he said, man, I never played as the Jazz on 2K or an NBA Live growing up. No one cares about the Jazz. And that's true to a degree. But if Gobert goes somewhere to a contender or Donovan Mitchell or Quinn Snyder, well, then we'll care, right? Because that impacts the rest of the NBA, not just that one random weird franchise that's for some reason called the Jazz, despite residing in a state that's mostly Mormon. Jazz. I know they relocated from New Orleans. It's still weird. Let's talk about the East. We'll continue the NBA Lounge coming up next. Playoff preview here on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. This is the Wisco Sports Show. I made an error. Uh, what's that show? Is it Pardon the Interruption that does errors and omissions at the very end? Thank you, Schmidt, on the north side. You're all over it. I said Cam Thomas. Cam Thomas on the Nets. I meant Cam Johnson. The, the one from North Carolina. Everyone knows who I'm talking about. All right, Schmidt, no one likes to know it all. All right, but I appreciate the text. Thank you. 608-796-2558. Grant, it's Wednesday. It's 450. What are we doing? Why are we in the NBA lounge? I understand. It's all very confusing. Well, we're not on the air tomorrow. I'm on vacation on Friday. And tonight's show is done at 5.30. And I wanted to start with the Brewers. So what we're doing here is a special edition NBA Lounge. We're previewing the NBA playoffs. At least one thing on every series. We just did the West. We are now moving to the Eastern Conference. Starting with the one-seeded Heat. They will play either the Cavs or the Hawks or the Hornets. I'm hoping for the Hawks, even though I really like the Cavs. I... Guys, I think if Jared Allen plays last night, the Cavs might beat the Nets. We can talk about the Nets here in a minute or two. I'm hoping for the Hawks because that has a chance to get really chippy and that would just be fun. This series isn't going to matter. This series is going to get the noon NBA TV treatment because Miami's going to beat any of these teams in probably five games. Miami has a ceiling and it's a ceiling that won't matter this round, but I think at some point during the playoffs, it's going to come into play. So I want to get out ahead of this. Tyler Hero is their best offensive player. And if he's not on, the Heat are really, really limited. The Heat are 24th in clutch offense. It's the bottom percentile of the league in clutch offense, probably because their one good shot maker is Tyler Hero. Right? Well, he won six man of the year. Yeah, and he basically led the team in minutes. So whatever. Good for Tyler Hero, I guess. Miami has a ceiling. It won't matter this round, but I would be shocked if Miami makes it out of the East. I wouldn't be shocked if they lost before the conference finals. We'll come back to the Heat. This series isn't going to matter. Celtics-Nets, 2-7. And that's one last night. The Celtics are winning this series. All right? A casual would not tell you that. Someone who doesn't follow the league closely wouldn't tell you that. I despise the Celtics. The Celtics are winning this series. 
Brooklyn isn't that good. And I know everyone's going goo goo gaga after last night. Oh, look at how Kyrie, Kyrie was so good and Kevin Durant in the clutch. What are you going to do? Look, the Nets got 34 last night from Kyrie on 12 of 15 shooting. They got 47 combined points from Bruce Brown, Nick Claxton, and Andre Drummond. That's 18 points, 13 points, and 16 points, respectively. They got all that, and they won by seven. If Lori Markinen wasn't such a disaster, the Cavs might have actually won. Dude, if Jared Allen played last night, I think the Cavs might win that game. 42 minutes for both Kyrie and Katie. Oh, those players never get injured. They'll be fine playing playing high-level minutes. Okay, yeah, sure, sure. Celtics are winning this series. And again, if there was anyone to cheer against and find ways to hate on the Celtics, it would be me. I despise the Celtics. The Celtics are winning the series, and I don't even know if it goes more than five or six games. Nets aren't winning. Sorry. Bucks-Bulls, the three and the four matchup. This series is over already. Um, no, no, this is the 3-6. Never mind. Not the not the 3-4. Three, the 3-4 three, doesn't exist. We'll talk about the 4-5, which is the Sixers and the Raptors. First, Bucks bulls This series is over already. It was over when it was announced a couple of days ago. I watched a lot of the Bulls in April. Let me read you some details from some of their games. Ready for this? April 2nd, they lost 127-109 to Miami. Trailed nine points at half. The Heat's biggest lead in this game was 21 points. April 5th, 127-106 loss to Milwaukee. Down 12 at half. The Bucks led at one point by 18 points in the second quarter. April 6th, the next night, 117-194 loss to Boston. Down 67-51 at halftime. Celtics at one point in this game led by 27. April 8th, 133-117 loss to Charlotte. Hornets led by 37 in the third quarter. The largest deficit on average that the Bulls faced in their games in April was 25.75 points. That's unreal. And those are all Eastern Conference contenders against Miami, Milwaukee, Boston, and Charlotte, which is a play-in team, not a contender, but a playoff team. They averaged trailing to each of these teams by 27.7 points. Their season's over. It was over a month ago. The Bulls suck. And it's not really their fault. They're injured. They don't really have defense to speak of. Vooch is playing horrendous basketball right now. And I really hope that for entertainment purposes, Billy Donovan runs him out there with Tristan Thompson because I would just enjoy watching that. I think this series is going to end Tristan Thompson's career and it might lead Bulls fans to turn on Vooch. It might be a rough offseason for Nikola Vucevic. Final series. This might be the most interesting one in the East. The fourth-seeded 76ers versus the fifth-seeded Raptors. This is a vibes series. This series is based completely and totally on vibes, the way I feel about this series. And this is how I felt about every 76ers playoff series we've seen really in the Embiid era the last couple of years. 2021, they lost in a 5-1 matchup against Atlanta. Or not a 5-1 matchup. Excuse me. Was it the 5-1? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was the second round. Excuse me. First seed versus the fifth seed Atlanta Hawks. Atlanta was plucky. That's how Atlanta felt. 2020, it was the bubble, so who really cares? But the Sixers were the sixth seed. They lost to the third seeded Boston Celtics. Plucky. Plucky team. 2019, they lost to the Kawhi Leonard Raptors. A plucky team at the time. And now they got to play 
the fighting Scotty Barnes and the fighting Nick Nurses, a very plucky team. The vibes are off in this series. James Harden has not looked good in over a month. Looks out of shape. There was a report from Kevin Arnowitz of ESPN that detailed how Kevin Durant like couldn't believe how out of shape James Harden was when he got to training camp and when he got to Brooklyn this offseason. Or in, yeah, last offseason. He couldn't believe how fat and out of shape he was. James Harden has never been in good shape and never taken care of himself in the regular season. I'm supposed to believe that now that the playoffs are here, he's supposed to play better. He's never been good in the playoffs. I think Tyrese Maxey's their second best player. I mean that. In crunch time, I'd rather Tyrese Maxey have the ball if I'm a Sixers fan. Now, I think the Sixers win this series because the Raptors don't have an answer to Embiid. I don't know if they're going to put... I mean, Chris Boucher or Boucher or whatever his name is, he's going to get rampaged. Pascal Siakam's not big enough. They don't have Valanchunas. They don't have Gasol, centers that they've had in the past. They don't have an answer for Embiid, and I think that's going to define the series just in and of itself. And to be fair to the Raptors, most teams don't have an answer for Embiid. Not many teams have a Brooke Lopez or a Robert Williams, right? But if this series gets to four games and it's tied 2-2, right? The Raptors are thinking, we're going to do this. <laughs> and the Sixers are thinking, oh my God, we're going to do this again. We're going to blow it. This series is all about vibes for me. And the vibes might not matter in game one or two, but let's wait until game three or game four, take inventory. 76ers and Raptors feels like it has the potential to get very interesting as lots of Sixers playoff series have the last couple of years. This seems like another matchup in the pile of the Hawks who beat them and the Celtics who beat them and the Raptors in 2019 who beat them. The vibes of this series, just pay attention, pay attention. I think this has the biggest swing of outcomes in the Eastern Conference. The Bucks and the Heat are both going to run away with their series. I think the Celtics are going to pert near run away with theirs, despite everybody loving the Nets. See how that pans out. I want to talk about the Packers coming up next. Some draft things that we started on yesterday. Also an Aaron Rodgers story that I want to talk about, but not wine and hate. I'm not going to do that. I promise. Wisco Sports Show back in two minutes. Your station for sports. Way back. Get up. Get out of here. Go. WKTY Lacrosse. 96.7 FM. 580 AM.